Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is guest host Melanie Krakauer. Joining me today is Miley Smith, Director of Labor Policy and Staff Attorney for the Illinois Policy Institute. This week, we're talking about the most important and alarming issue on the November 8th general election ballot that no one seems to know about yet. That is Amendment 1. Miley will break down a major lawsuit related to the amendment and what voters need to know. So, Miley, uh, thank you for joining us. And why don't you (laughs) tell us a little bit of history on Amendment 1. Okay. Well, Amendment 1 is being framed as a workers' rights amendment, but it's really, that's a misnomer. That's not what it is. It is actually a union, and particularly government union, power grab in Illinois. It's going to be on the ballot in November, November 8th, and it actually has four provisions. The first provision grants a fundamental right to all employees to bargain collectively. The second broadens the number of subjects that employees can bargain over. So while traditionally it has been things like wages, hours, and terms of employment, it's now broadened to include other things like economic welfare, things that are very vague um, and aren't defined in the amendment. It also prohibits lawmakers from ever pulling back on that power. And then finally, it prohibits uh, right to work in the state of Illinois. Now, none of those provisions have ever been placed in any other state constitution, let alone, you know, all four of them. So this is definitely a a first of its kind constitutional amendment. Um, It has a number of policy concerns, a number of alarming consequences. And first and foremost, it is unconstitutional. And so that's what we've been focusing on most recently. Tell us about that. So how did this lawsuit come about and what are the legal precedents for this case? Sure. So there has been a case filed on behalf of Chicago Public Schools parents and teachers challenging this amendment to get it taken off of the ballot. And here's the kind of legal background on that portion of the case. So if the federal government has already occupied a space, is already regulating something, then a state cannot go in and also attempt to regulate it. And that's what we have here with Amendment 1. The federal government already regulates collective bargaining and union relationships with employers in the private sector. So they have already occupied that space. Our state can't go in and then also try to regulate in that area. But that is what Amendment 1 does. It creates this fundamental right for all employees, not just public sector, but all employees, so that includes private sector, to organize and bargain. It broadens those collective bargaining rights, those subjects that they can negotiate over um, in the private sector as well. And so because the state is infringing on what the federal government does, it's actually unconstitutional under the supremacy clause of our federal constitution. So what this case is arguing under state law then, an unconstitutional ballot measure can be taken off of the ballot because it's wrong for the state of Illinois 
to be spending money on a ballot measure, that's unconstitutional anyway. So what the case is doing is asking a, it's the Sangamon County Court to, first of all, hear the case. We have to ask the, the court to hear this case. And if they decide to hear the case, they will determine whether or not this language is unconstitutional and should be removed from the ballot altogether so that voters don't even need to worry about it come November. Language in this amendment seems so broad that it almost feels like it was a mistake. But I think you've said the opposite is true, right? This is very purposeful language. Yes. First of all, from the proponents themselves, we've heard a number of things over the months. We have heard them say, well, this really only is about the private sector, or this really is only about the public sector. Both of those things are wrong because it applies to both. It applies to all employees. Um, and, you know, if they had intended this to just be a right to work ban, they could have used different language. They actually considered a right to work ban in the Constitution in 2019. The language was very trim. It only concerned right to work issues, but it didn't get anywhere. So if they had intended this to only apply to right to work, they could have used that same language. Instead, they, they included three more provisions, like I discussed previously. It applies to everyone, public and private, and it expands rights that weren't there before. It creates rights, basically, that weren't there before. So this is a, a purposeful use of broad language to apply to both the public and private sector. I think um, the lawsuit aside, there are a lot of implications for what this would do. Could you talk through what it would mean if this is on the ballot and voters vote for it and then it gets approved? Yeah, there are a number of alarming consequences. I'm going to go through four of them. So first of all is the fact that it's unconstitutional. So if the court decides, or if we don't have a decision before, before November, and this is on the ballot and it passes, we now have an unconstitutional amendment in our state constitution. That is going to require further litigation for courts to determine how far it goes and what what it should actually concern as opposed to private versus public. And you know that sounds messy and it is. It's going to create a lot of litigation, a lot of headaches for employers and employees as well as they try to figure out what their rights are. The second, I think, alarming consequence is that because employees is, is so broad and so purposefully broad, it applies to um, government workers that don't traditionally have the right to organize and bargain. So I think one of the easiest examples is elected officials. Elected officials currently do not have the right to unionize, but they are employees of, their, of the state or their government unit. So under the broad language of this amendment, elected officials themselves would be able to unionize and then bargain collectively. A, a third alarming consequence is the power that this gives to the contracts that come out of um, Amendment 1. So it actually allows contracts that are negotiated between a government unit and the union to override state law. 
So if a union doesn't like a particular state law, let's just say background checks on teachers, what the union could do is negotiate into their contract, no background checks on teachers. And in that way, they would nullify the law. They would basically override the law. So if there's a, a law or a provision on the books that a government union doesn't like, they don't have to go through the legislative process to get that changed. They will just have to negotiate it into their contracts and it will override state law. And, and under this amendment, they have the power to do that. And they also have the power to go on strike to get their demands met. So it's not like this is just like, oh, well, yeah, they can't just go in and demand anything because the government unit can push back. The government unit's hands are going to be tied because that union can go on strike to force their demands to be met. And then finally, I think and another, another alarming consequence is that there's the provision in there that doesn't allow lawmakers to change anything. So that means all of these consequences that are alarming can't be fixed because the, the amendment itself says lawmakers don't have the power to do that. So what we have is this broad amendment with many consequences and it doesn't allow lawmakers with the backing of the public to change any of it. How many laws would it like supersede? We did a, a review of some of the laws. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of provisions in our Illinois code. And we looked at some that are the most spe specifically tied to government workers and government employment. And when we did that, we found over 350 provisions that unions could potentially override through their collective bargaining agreements. That includes things related to um, the safety of children in schools, the safety of children who are under the watch of um, the Department of Children and Family Services. Um, it includes veterans affairs issues, a host of other um, public entities that are charged with safety and um, those kind of policies. So it really is something that could drastically change the landscape for the people of Illinois if unions are allowed this power. What are the next steps of this lawsuit? So as I mentioned, this, this case is a little different than the traditional type of case where you just, you go to court and the court's going to hear it. Because it is brought by taxpayers challenging something that's on the ballot, the court first has to decide if they're going to hear it at all. So the first step is the judge will decide, yes, the case goes on, or no, I'm not hearing the case at all. So if the judge determines that, yes, the case will go on, then she will determine whether or not this is unconstitutional, if it prevents that, presents that kind of a problem, and if it should be removed from the ballot altogether. It's very likely that there will be appeals that go through the courts. And of course, there's the Illinois appellate courts and there's the Illinois Supreme Court. So we could be many weeks, um, if not months away from a final decision in this case. Um, there are ways to expedite cases so that it should have some sort of final resolution before the November election. Um, but at this point in time, you know, right now we're watching to see if the judge takes the case at all. Is there anything else that Illinoisans or listeners should be aware of? I think it's just important to keep in mind that this is the first of its kind. You know, there's a reason why other states haven't done this, and it's because it's unconstitutional, and there are all of these potential consequences. Um, in fact, the majority of states, 28 states, don't even mention labor in their state constitutions. So, you know, not only is this overbroad and unconstitutional, but it's not something that should ever be considered 
um, to be put into our constitution in the first place. Um, and so as we are, and as, as voters are navigating this issue, I just think it's important to keep in mind, you know, one, that it's unconstitutional, two, it's gonna change the landscape of Illinois, allowing unions to override our state laws. And three, it's going to put something into the constitution that doesn't belong there in the first place. Well, I look forward to staying tuned to see what happens. Thank you, Miley. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit illinoispolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.